<laughs> Hello, Inside Scoopers, and Happy New Year's. Welcome, Dr. Becker, to Nova Scotia. Thank you, Robbie. Was... It's nice to be here. A little cold. Yeah. A little cold. We yeah. had some tech issues this morning. Facebook changed some things, so you had to scramble to get... Um... So I had to scramble like last second and pull together all of our slides that we have to get this up and going and everything happening. Hopefully everybody's okay with the yeah sound now. Yes. yes. Excellent. Yes. Happy now that New we have the sound. All of you inside scoopers. <sighs> I don't know how I feel about 2021 other than I'm glad 2020 is done. I, I'm not sure I feel any more overwhelmingly confident about 2021. I'm just thankful that it's something new and different to maybe provide some new chi and juju for Kind of like when you're at the bottom of the pit, at the bottom of the valley in the cesspool. It's like, you know, just having a different angle to look at is somewhat refreshing. That's what I feel like. How about you? Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited like everyone else is, right? We all, Everybody thinks like a new page is going to be turned and everything hopefully is going to get better. And I'm pretty excited about it. Very optimistic about 2021. I kind of feel like 2020 is done. We're yeah. not dwelling it on it anymore, and now we're just excited for something awesome. Some new to, opportunities. Some new opportunities, something awesome to happen. Okay, so what do we got this week? Now, you know, I do want to say this. I didn't think there'd be that many studies published around the holidays. Usually people yeah. take breaks. Yes. They take but there was. There was. No, they weren't groundbreaking, but there were some studies out there. So shout out to the scientists and those people that thought, you know, this is important. Keep we're going to put this out. Yeah, keep, keep working. working. Pretty awesome. All right. You want to go to the MCT study? First, before we jump into that, because I found that this was a question that came up last week as well. People were asking, what the heck is MCT? Yeah. Yeah. No idea. Medium chain triglycerides. So basically coconut oil. Remember when we met, uh, when we went out and flew to Vancouver Island and Dave Asprey invited us out to his house. So medium chain triglycerides, the the basic premise is what he told me was that when you take the coconut and of course and you strip the medium chains out of it the coconut's off to the side so now the flavor is gone of the coconut for people that don't like it but the fat content's actually higher as well so he what did he say he said it took for every I think six, one 16. one pound yeah for every one pound of MCT oil it takes eight pounds of coconut oil it was an eight to one ratio when yeah. you're making it right now. I love MCT oil. Actually, I put it in my coffee every single morning. If I have a coffee, I'm always adding MCT oil. I read the research that the MCT, medium-chain triglycerides, will help drive the polyphenols up into the brain. brain. Yeah. And of course, now you're seeing research like MCT oil mixed with like fish oil for the uh, for uh, the decline of, well, I was going to say the decline of cognitive decline, yeah. but the reduction of cognitive Maybe decline. Maybe you should have some more because keto Because it, <laughs> it helps drive. The EPA and DHA found in the fish oil up, up into, into the brain, brain, right? So yeah. mixing MCT is incredible. Now in this one, this what threw me off in this was because it was it was research with MCT and the microbiome, yeah. which you don't see all the time. This study was actually sent to me by your BFF, yeah. your friend, board certified veterinary nutritionist, Dr. Donna. And and I find it interesting that she just up and sent you a study last week um, and not me. Man, I was just like minding my own business at like midnight. And Donna's like, hey, Roddy, here's a study. Yeah. All of a sudden, just out of nowhere. Hey, what are you doing? Sleeping? Check out this study. The effects of a ketogenic medium chain triglyceride diet on the feces in dogs with, do you say IDEO or ADO? Idiopathic. 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 I've heard people. No, it's, no, it's not. No? It's just idiopathic. Epilepsy. In I, Canada, we say idiopathic. Ideo, no, you don't. That's what we say in Canada, I'm telling you. No. Okay. Well, fascinating you, study. You, you can say idiopathic. 
I'm going to go back to the study. Tell people what you got from this study. Okay. The reason I love this study is like threefold. First of all, the consumption of the medium chain triglyceride diet resulted in a significant increase in species richness of bacterial communities and compared to baseline diets. So the animals getting MCT fortified food had better bacterial communities. The two notable things were FUSO were increased. We'll talk about why that's important in a minute. And bacterioides are, were also increased. And the reason I love this study is that bacteroides are associated with non-aggressive dogs. And so dogs that have more bacteroides in their GI tracts are happier. And I, I would argue healthier dogs with an increased expression of bacteroides. Interestingly, when you give aggressive dogs bacteroides, they tend to chill out and become happier. So, and actually the study calls it non-aggressive behavior in dogs. That's, that's fantastic. Bacteroides is also associated with the neuroprotective effects of the ketogenic diet. I think the reason Dr. Donna Reddick sent this to you is that we didn't understand, professionally, we didn't understand the mechanism of action behind why and how MCT oils or the ketogenic diet helped epileptic patients. And what they're finding is that bacteroides had this neuroprotective effect. It does a bunch of amazing things for all mammalian brains. And they wanted to find out the why and how. And I think that the microbiome is one of the reasons. So bacteroides increase. You will have happier, healthier dogs with MCTs. But additionally, FUSO increase. So FUSO, you were the one that told me this and educated me about this. Fusobacteria is one of the colonies that's really necessary to process protein. So if your dog happens to take metronidazole or flagyl, one of the most prescribed antibiotics for GI problems in the world, or if your dog happens to, for whatever reason, have a lower amount of fusobacteria in their GI tract, and then you feed them meat, they can have serious problems processing protein of any kind. And this is part of the reason I believe that sometimes animals that have had GI complications and then people hear about raw food diet, but they've been to their veterinarian, they got a round or two of flagell, they go on a raw food diet and they have horrific side effects. And then they go back to the veterinarian who said, I told you not to feed raw food. It's not so much the raw food that did anything. It's the fact that they had obliterated FUSO. They had no bacteria necessary to process that incoming brand new diet. And they had profound explosive diarrhea as a consequence, not because the raw food was tainted with E. coli or salmonella, but because they didn't have the bacteria necessary to actually process their evolutionary diet. MCT oil increases the amount. It nourishes the fusobacteria. So it makes for a more balanced and diversified colony, especially if you're feeding a higher protein or a raw food diet. I thought that was really beautiful. So as so, a side note, okay, so, so now- So to go back, because there's a question here about, uh, do you think MCT would help with dementia as well? So there's uh -huh. a ton of research with MCT yes. and Alzheimer's. Yes. There's research with uh, MCT and epilepsy. Yes. That one- I, I believe Dementia, we've talked about cognitive that. Decline. Yeah, cognitive decline. Yeah, absolutely, ep ep Sheila. Yeah, epilepsy. Yeah. Gosh, there's so many benefits to MCT. One of the things that you really got to take into consideration, though, of course, is when you're adding fats into your diet, you got to be very careful here how you balance your macronutrients as well. So it's not like pouring MCT is a terrible example, which nobody does, but like pouring, let's say, MCT oil on toast. No one's going to do it. But if you did it, when you're mixing high carb with high fat, you could potentially have problems. So do some research of how you're bringing MCT into your life. Well, and the other thing that we'll mention is Dave Asprey that said, hey, if you're not used to introducing fats into you or your dog's diet, you will have what he calls disaster pants, which is if your body is not fat adapted and you add fat to you or your dog or your cat's diet, you will give them 
explosive diarrhea. Yeah, yeah I've so, got rot. You, you too will oh, feel terrible. I read nauseous. somebody in the comment section that so was using nauseous. MCT and uh, they, they didn't feel so good. Their tummy didn't feel so yeah. good. So again, you got to be fat adapted. It's transitioning very slowly. Yeah, you start with a quarter teaspoon. I can tell you. Even with the keto creamer, guys, you can work up to four tablespoons, but start with a quarter teaspoon and work up to give your gut a chance to adapt. Yeah, and so Poppy you says, be what about pancreatitis? So here's the good news, Poppy. Coconut oil and MCTs are the only oil I'm aware of that passively diffuses the GI tract. It's one of the reasons we use it for lymphangiectasia in dogs. It's one of the, it's, it's a fat that doesn't require lipase for digestion. It's one of the, it's, I think it's the only fat that I'm aware of that is passively absorbed. So it doesn't require the pancreas to produce additional lipase. You remember the conversation we had at last week's Facebook live, where if you're feeding a higher fat diet, you better darn well increase the amount of lipase you're providing, or you will cause pancreatitis. Not a problem. The only time we have seen issues issues with fat in high concentration is when it's cooked or processed. Raw fats really tend to not stress the pancreas at all. Cooked fats yeah. of any form oxidize and do require the pancreas to increase the amount of lipase coming from those it's in our cells, the cells that secrete digestive enzymes. And if that doesn't happen, you absolutely can have pancreatitis. So for the pancreas, it has two jobs, secrete enzymes and secrete insulin. If you damage the pancreas, both of those functions can be reduced. How do you prevent that going forward? You give a lot of digestive enzymes to animals that have had recurrent pancreatitis and you don't feed cooked fats. Um, so this one is really interesting. The effects of two commercial diets on several reproductive parameters in female dogs. Note one <laughs> from estrus cycle and parturition. Am I saying that right? Yeah, parturition. Parturition. I mean, this was crazy to me. So the purpose of the study was to see what if diet would, just to sum it down, if diet would have an effect on pregnant dogs. And they just took a whole bunch of dogs, and I can see people harassing me in the comment section because I said female dogs, because yeah. I really think D nobody- it say, oh, it's, oh, it does say parameters and bitches. Rodney, Rodney has a hard time saying that word. It's a terrible, it like is. it's terrible. Listen, listen, I don't care what anybody uh. says. That word is going to be like uh. null and void. With the new generation, with Generation Z and Generation uh, Millennials, it's just, yeah. Anyways, sorry. Moving on. Yeah. So, Farmina funded this study, actually. It's a very, really interesting study here, what they wanted to do. And what I found fascinating about it was the nutritional aspect. So, what they did was they infused a little bit more nutrition into a separate panel of dogs. Now, and they had a whole bunch of dogs in the study, by the way. They had Golden Retrievers. They had Boston Terriers, I believe, and Frenchies, and just a whole bunch of different breeds. So it wasn't just breed-specific. Broke them up, fed panel A, one type of diet. Baseline, just baseline, baseline kibble. Panel B. Higher fat, higher protein, higher vitamins, and um, I think more balanced minerals is what it what ended up being. Look at some of these results. Holy smokes. Look at this chart right here. So these are the dogs that were getting the baseline. And over here, this big jump, the dogs that got extra nutrition had almost double the amount yeah. of puppies. And oh I, my gosh. And you know, this would be a good poll. Inside scoopers that have bred or are breeders veterinarians in the group, you all have seen this. And in fact, it's one of the reasons my bestie Steve Brown started the first commercially available raw dog food company is that he was feeding kibble when he and his partner were creating Charlie Bear dogs. He was feeding kibble and he wanted 
the litters to be more robust and healthier. So he started experimenting with nutrition during pregnancy. And he ended up discovering this on his own, that raw fed female dogs that are pregnant have at least two more puppies per litter. But sometimes as this study showed, it can double litter size. I mean, and the puppies are more robust. The puppies are healthier body weight. They have fewer, there are fewer complications during pregnancy and the puppies are healthier in that neonatal period. I think it's a big testament to the absorption, to the digestion and absorption of fresh whole life foods and in turn their nutrients versus ultra processed and synthetic forms of vitamins and minerals coming to the diet. I think it's a big testament. I think there's so much to learn. The data and the research that have come out showing that dogs, and I'm sure cats, if somebody funds the study, when the parents of those pets are fed fresh whole live food, those studies that we saw, the reduction in allergies, like a 50% yeah. reduction in potential of that dog ever developing allergies. I mean, that's massive. I mean, the number one problem out there is always like yeast infections, allergies, and so on and so forth with a lot of these dogs that struggle. And it's interesting to see that, you know, now that these scientists are going to the labs that potentially that these dogs, these parents of these animals, these poor dogs and cats that never just had a start in life. They just didn't get it right because those parents were fed either such a terrible diet or maybe unbalanced diets or so on and so forth. How now you can affect the future health, longevity, yeah. health span and, and of those animals. Epigenetically. Epigenetically. It's amazing. So there's this one critical period during pregnancy that veterinarians believe female dogs need carbohydrates. But interestingly, Connor Connor Brady. Just Dr. Connor wrote Brady, a book. yeah. Connor Brady just wrote a book. I've not read it yet, but he wrote a book where he details where that theory got started, that there's this window during pregnancy that female dogs have to have carbs. And he said, if you go back and read the research that dictated that recommendation, it doesn't hold water. That makes sense to me because we know gluconeogenesis occurs. We know dogs, even pregnant dogs, can derive energy from fat and, and protein adequately enough to not require carbs. And yet there's, you're never going to get a board certified nutritionist and in turn, most conventionally trained veterinarians to support that. I'll flash that study again. But another takeaway, of course, a study done by Dr. Anna Helm Bjorgman on nutrition as well. When uh, they fed pregnant moms fresh food versus processed food, ultra processed kibble, um, those puppies had a better skin biome and less likelihood of any type of uh, atopic dermatitis in their future as well. So I mean- yeah. Reduction in inflammation as well on yeah. the skin. So, it, epigenetically, it switched on a lot of good genes. Let's just say that. I wanted to, you know, it's it's interesting because th there was a conclusion here that I was trying to talk to you about in the back and I didn't get out. Oh, I didn't get a chance to highlight it. But what was interesting about it was they were making reference to, here it says, AFCO and FEDIF, the European Pet Food Industry Association, have established minimum requirements, the purpose of the study, one of the purposes of the study, um, have established minimum requirements for the constitutes of diets formulated for reproduction. This ensures adequacy, but not necessarily optimal nutrition. The quantity and chemical form, as well as the quality of the constitutes are important. Right. So this is also talking about a lot of these companies haven't done trials or no one has any idea. They may do like small tinkering when it comes to formulations for pregnant dogs and cats versus uh, non-pregnant. I haven't seen anything out there traditionally. I don't know, maybe in the more uh, the um, 
prescription formulas maybe? Have you no, seen them? Because I no. haven't seen them. I know traditionally what happens is no. was in the olden days, breeders would typically go to puppy formulations. Right, They'd exactly. buy puppy food, yeah. right? And you know, there, just that whole, there's not a whole lot of research out there around this whole gestation lactation period, which is its own nutritional set of requirements. There's, I have not seen overwhelming research out there, certainly not recently, talking about different types of diets in the, like this is one of the few research studies in the last 10 years discussing how nutrition plays into the health of litter, the female, as well as the health of the litter. I just, there's just not that much research out there. Look, what an awesome question there uh, that was asked. Is it important for the stud dog to be raw fed as well as yeah, the female so, dog? Such a there was a question. I didn't, did you see the study that, uh, oh, no, it was on, that was on salmon oil this week. Yeah. The oh, one, I didn't, I didn't bother. Sperm count. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sperm count dramatically yeah. improved as well as the qu the quality of the sperm and the volume of, I mean, the, the number of sperm increased with omega-3 fatty acids. Yeah. So, so to answer the question, yes, the health of the male. And that's such a fantastic question because we tend to forget that. We think as long as mom is healthy, everything is good. But epigenetically, dad is contributing 50% of the DNA to those puppies. And you want that DNA to be wildly healthy. So such a good point. We tend to underestimate the health of dad and, and we shouldn't be. Uh, yes. One that I thought, you know, would be really interesting to talk about today. I had this study sent to me. I'll flash it right there. And it was about... Um, Aniko? Aniko. Yeah. Aniko put it up. So now check this out. The study's called Children Prioritize Humans Over Animals Less Than Adults Do. Is the tendency to morally prioritize humans over animals weaker in children than adults is the question. So they took five to nine-year-old children and adults, and they were presented with the moral dilemma of pitting varying numbers of humans against varying numbers of dogs or pigs, and were asked who should be saved. And in both of those studies, Dr. Becker, Children had a weaker tendency than adults to prioritize humans over animals. They often chose to save multiple dogs over one human, and many valued the life of a dog as much as a human. By contrast, almost all the adults chose to save one human even over a hundred dogs. So that I think this this is this is a controversial enough study. And when I say controversial, everyone has different opinions about and there again, there, I think that there's some strong cultural influences. I do believe in some cultures and with some people, it is just the fact that they would study this is offensive, that you would place value or that people would even be questioning value of a human over an animal life. But I think if we remove the emotional gut response that these types of studies can sometimes elicit, I think the premise is that kids unvarnished or uninfluenced from social, cultural, or religious pretenses have really honest responses that value all life that I guess my takeaway from this study, regardless of how inflammatory it may be to some is that that kids, children, as you would say, children. the children love life and that they see life equally and that what they, and I do believe that the conclusion is correct, that we are trained socially as we mature to place higher value on humans because it's the right and ethical and moral thing to do according to most cultures and most religions. But kids unvarnished from that don't see life that way. And that's beautiful to me in the sense that we're born with a reverence for all life and that sometimes culturally that gets shifted. But the premise is kids love life, all of it. Well, look, I'll say this too. Like how many times do you have those? I mean, I have those internal thoughts, man. Every single time I think about it, I have those thoughts where I'm like, 
you know, you're holding on to one of your dogs or you're holding on to a complete stranger over a bridge yeah, or th over lava. This is where you lose 6,000 subscribers and fans at one time because it's true, which, you know. Well, yeah. you just have those thoughts. I mean, yeah. these are thoughts yeah. that you have no, alone are. when you're sitting home at night, right? Yeah. These are just yeah. weird thoughts, of these course, and weird imagination. But I mean, look, it's a very interesting study. Everybody thinks it that. Is. I don't care who you are. Yeah. You are thinking, you are having those thoughts. Oh, uh, look, Poppy. Poppy sent 500 stars. She gets it. She, <laughs> that, she's that had those a, thoughts. Yes, it's too, true. at night. I just, I just... <laughs> I love those interesting studies. I, yeah. I don't. I no longer post those on public forums just because <laughs> I know that moms would just yes. destroy. My own mother would come and beat me if she's. Yeah. So it's true. Anyways. So moving on. So moving on. <laughs> what do you got? Yeah. Are we ready for my favorite study that you found? I don't. I think so. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Where are we now? The last study of. Oh, uh -huh. you've been waiting. I'm so excited. For this. So, last but not least. I love this study that you found because the number one, oh, you threw it. Uh, oh, yeah, no, you didn't throw it up. The number one antibiotic spray that the vast majority of veterinarians use is genomycin. And so one of the trade names is, is Betagen. There's a lot. I guess that this is one type. But a lot of veterinarians prescribe a lot of topical genomycin because it kills off everything all bacteria. Genomycin is a very potent antibiotic. We don't give it injectably very often because it has such profound side effects. It's a big dog antibiotic, but we spray the heck out of it for hot spots and sores and wounds. We douse animals and genomycin to the point that the One Health Organization has said, listen, we need to back off of how much topical application of genomycin we're doing in dogs and cats. It's an environmental contaminant. It's causing antibiotic resistance in the people that are exposed to genomycin. So you want to show the study? <laughs> It's just, such a good study. This is such a good way to launch 2021. I'm not going to sleep. This is the best study ever. Okay, go. It's not that exciting. It's super exciting. What this study shows is that when they put aloe vera extract, a concentration of 20% or 40% up against genomycin for fighting staph infections, typically the bacteria that causes hotspots, it performed better Genomycin 1%, which is the concentration that all the sprays that, you know, from your veterinarian will be, it only had a kill circle of 18 millimeters, but aloe vera at 20% and 40% had a staph kill ratio of 19 millimeters and 23 millimeters respectively. What that means, Rodney, is that aloe vera was more effective than genomycin. It doesn't foster microbial resistance. It's safe if the animal licks it. It's safe if you had a kid or immunosuppressed person in the house. It is more effective than the highly toxic topical antibiotic that we've overused for years in veterinary medicine. Amazing. One reason that I kind of like this study, people like myself, holistic integrative veterinarians have said for years, aloe has antimicrobial activity. And our conventional colleagues are like, prove it. Well okay, here's my study proving it. And the best part is they put it up against the biggest top dog antibiotic that we have, like one of the most toxic options. We put aloe up against a highly, highly aggressive antibiotic and it knocked it out of the park. So I'm loving this for all of those reasons. So other ways that you can use aloe, the studies that it has been used for is actually 
Pretty darn shocking. In fact, a clinical review of all the reasons that aloe has been used medically was summarized. They summarized 23 clinical trials. And what they found is everything you would think of. Oh, are you on the other study? Oh, sorry, I was I reading sorry. the comment section. The sorry. comment section is lit up a little bit. Sorry. Out. So what this study found is that aloe vera has been successfully used to treat skin ulcers, burns, postoperative wounds, cracked nipples, genital herpes, psoriasis, chronic wounds, including pressure sores. So, so aloe is something that I think it's a very underutilized free treatment that we should consider using. Also fantastic for canker sores. Now, where aloe can get a bad rap is with the fact that the latex, when you cut aloe. Actually, I was going to. Yes, yeah, go ahead. I haven't had a moment to talk about Please. aloe. Okay, I haven't actually, had, I haven't I'm had a moment for my demo. I'm to set say up that I enjoy talk. aloe too. You dominated Donna I'm sent sorry, you 100, so, oh, 100 stars for your domination of this, oh, this is section you, of the aloe. Now, I too. I'm a fan of aloe vera as well. And the reason why I love aloe vera is because I used it for leaky gut for Sammy. I had done a dysbiosis test on my dog to see if she had leaky gut. And in fact, she did. And then do you remember in the olden days when you said to me, hey, man, feed your dog aloe vera. So I like literally have 10 million aloe vera plants Crazy. in my home. And every day I would cut a piece Fillet it, which Dr. Becker will show. I won't ruin it. Just you're, you're jumping into the demonstration. I'm, I'm just doing visual. And I would put it on top of my dog's uh, raw food diet. And lo and behold, uh, it uh, it relieved my dog's leaky gut. Like literally, I, I send another dysbiosis test in. And I think like in like 30 days, it had sealed up like 50% of the leaky gut. Aloe vera was absolutely incredible for my dog's leaky gut. So I know today we're talking about it like topically as well. Now, the, but there are some caveats if you're gonna take it orally. Here's the problem and benefit. When you cut an aloe vera plant, there's a sticky yellow substance, basically the sap that lies in between the gel fillet and the green outer skin does a fantastic job as a purgative. It, if you are constipated, it absolutely has laxative effect. And many people use it as such. But if you are not constipated and you consume latex, you can cause loose stools. If you are going to harvest this for topical use, let's say that you have a dog or cat with a hot spot or a sore, or you want to harvest it for yourself, cut a piece off. And then I use scissors. There are spines on either. Oh, thank you. There are spines on either side. I use scissors to cut the spines. So I cut both of the edges of the spines off with scissors because it's just easier that way. And you'll already start to see the late. So that's latex. Aloe kind of bleeds this yellow pigment. That's the laxative effect. If you want the laxative effect, great. But if you don't, then that's the, the solution that you're not going to provide to you or your dogs. Then I sever the piece of aloe. You can cut off the chunk that you want to use. If you have a dog or cat with a hot spot, it feels really good to put your aloe leaf in the freezer or fridge for a few minutes and get it cold. When you have a sunburn, put it in the freezer or fridge for a few hours because the cold feels so good uh, on a hot part of the body. I do use a knife to just split the aloe right down the middle. And then you end up with what we call an aloe fillet. And it's this middle part that is the medicinal part. And that's what we're going for. So if you have a dog that has a hot spot, you can 
that wrap it in place. You can, and I do recommend that you keep it moist. I, I like to hold the piece of aloe directly on the wound. In fact, research shows that it can reduce healing time by up to 40%. The skin redeeming benefits of aloe are unbelievable. Most importantly, they're entirely safe if you apply them. And if your dog or cat licks it off, it's totally safe. So you're going to apply a patch of aloe, scratch the, abrade the inside surface so that you can get the goo going and then tape it on and just change it every four to six hours. If you want to leave it off at night, you're totally fine. But if you have an aggressive burn like I did, I left it on 24 seven until I was healed. The free beneficial effects of using aloe for dermatitis as well as internally have been time tested, but we're just starting to get the research out to prove what some of us have known for a while. So some of you that have never thought about buying an aloe, you can buy them at any home and garden store for like five or six bucks. They end up taking over. You've gifted many people aloe. Yeah, man, my neighbor, my next door neighbors, they've got one of my aloe plants. If you live in Nova Scotia and you need an aloe plant, um, I'm your guy. Yeah. But yes, I had a ton of aloe plants. They're great to give away. And that thing was like, originally when that came in, it was maybe three of tiny, these, three so or four tiny. of these. And I got it. How long ago was that? Gosh, maybe about four years ago. It was about like maybe about three of these. And then all of a sudden it just explodes and it just doesn't stop growing. And so like every, I don't know, I found like every now and then you can pull out a cluster and put it into a pot and gift it to somebody. It's a great gift. My mother, I think my mother's come down and take about Maybe she's taking about half of them anyways. Okay. An inside scooper yesterday said that she has a friend that does not, that refuses to feed any food with peas or flaxseed because of reproductive issues. So this goes back. I should have brought it up when we were talking about the reproductive study, but she believes, I think that her friend was a breeder. She believes that anything with peas or flax can cause infertility. So I just wanted to address that briefly. Soy is probably the most estrogenic food that, that can be fed and feeding soy to animals, any animal, whether you're a human and you're going through in vitro fertilization or you are a dog or cat breeder, soy is something that you've got to be careful of. Research shows that women, humans eating 60 grams of soy a day for a month can absolutely cause you to become infertile. Like it's no joke in estrogen and estrogen is going to compete with uh, progesterone and that's going to cause you to either not get pregnant or not have a viable pregnancy. You will spontaneously abort. So soy the biggest offender when it comes to plant-based hormones. Peas actually contain a substance that has been proven in rats to not be a problem, but in and of itself, it's called xylohydroquinone. And one study where they use concentrated xylohydroquinone in humans, it did decrease their fertility, but that's an extract that of a substance that's naturally found in peas. In peas, xylohydroquinone is a homeopathic amount. And this highlights probably the biggest difference between feeding foods that have homeopathic amounts of things that if extracted and fed in large quantities can be a problem. But this is a great example of how sometimes we end up fearing food like peas for no good reason. So what I would say is peas in and of themselves, no matter how much pea protein you or your pets eat, you're not going to cause infertility issues. So just kind of be aware of that. If you're using extracts from peas, extracts of anything, you can get into hot water. The one thing I will mention pertaining to flax is in one study in women, 1993, Flax actually decreased the anovulatory period, so it actually helped women get pregnant. So, But because people have heard about plants containing estrogens, and if you Google what plants have estrogens, you will absolutely come up with sweet potatoes and flax and soy being at the top of the list. 
Out of that can come fear of those foods. And what I would say is if you're rotating foods as often as we recommend, if you're doing a lot of dietary diversification, you really, even including some soy, if you're just doing a little bit of soy now and then, no big deal. It's when all of us get on dietary kicks that we never come off of, or if we put our dogs and cats on foods and we never switch them off of that brand, that's when a repeated exposure to a food that, let's just take soy, which is common in pet foods, could absolutely diminish reproductive success and long-term beneficial reproductive health. Um, soy is the biggest offender. Peas you're not going to have problems with. And actually, I believe flax you won't unless you're eating tremendous amount of flax where you could, in theory, it's not been proven, but in theory, maybe have an issue. But actually, the research shows that flax actually improves reproductive health in women. So that's my two cents on that. I wanted to get that in there. There you go. All right. Well... That's, that's the end of our show, Dr. Becker. I just Do you have really, any concluding remarks? Well, I'm thankful for all of our inside scoopers, and I'm thankful that you guys ask great questions. I like our thought-provoking circle. I like our intimate, quiet group of lovelies that we get to hang out well, with. Well, I, I love our group, too. Inside scoopers. You guys are awesome. So long, everybody. Bye, guys.